Okay. So nice to meet. Carly, you're a trauma therapist like myself. And um, let's just see if we can have a conversation around boundaries and why it is so important. And uh, maybe I can give you right away and the microphone and see what, what your take is on boundaries and how it relates to, I mean, I always think in opposites of not having boundaries and what the long-term repercussions of that are. And I often say that one of the main symptoms of that are anxiety and depression, which are so widespread with people mm-hmm. as a symptom of not having been able to deal with that repressed anger. And for me, anger is, um, anger, the energy of anger is also the ability to set boundaries. And then of course it doesn't stay angry. It kind of channels itself into willpower, healthy boundaries, or even mm-hmm. motivation. So that's just in a nutshell how I see kind of boundaries. And I'm sure there are many different elements that relate to that. Right. Well, I think you said a good word. Anger is, I've seen when people don't, even the nicest people, when they don't have boundaries, all of a sudden, even if they weren't angry, this anger comes out of nowhere. And it's like, wait, where is this coming from? Because over years, it, it builds up. And then, like you said, there's depression and anxiety. But I was thinking about boundaries. And whenever I talk to people, I feel like the first thing that comes up is some people ask me, what is a boundary? Can you break that down for me? Mm. Like Some people, I know I was one of those. I'm not sure if you were. I didn't even know what a boundary was. Because mm. I, I grew up in a family that's very kind and loving. And there's also a lot of denial. So it was very accepting of everything, which creates in, in a different way, like, you know, um, abuse and lack of boundaries can be super easy to see on one side. And mm-hmm. then on the other side, when it's just, oh, that person's really nice. There's another form of lack of boundaries that can be harder to see. I don't know if that was very clear, if that made mm-hmm. sense. But it's like, oh, if somebody's really negative and awful, what is that person doing to protect themselves? That's easy to see. Right. But on the other hand, if it's just somebody acting nice, it can it can be like, oh, they're just nice. Well, no, they're they're they have a lack of boundaries too, and right. they're in denial about it. Hmm. So so the first two things I would say with boundaries are, you know, a do people know what they are, and that leads me to the other point. I've seen I've seen a lot of people that I've worked with, or around me in my life say they have a boundary yet then when that person that somebody does something they don't actually do it so a boundary is not saying i don't want to be around this it's actually Mm. doing it yeah i suppose it's also person dependent so i might be able with uh, with male friends to set boundaries without issues but with women just as an example i might have more difficulty to set boundaries because uh, some memories from how I relate to my mom or how my mom related to me might come up and I've chosen a pleasing style for example being nice with those with women in general or towards my mom when I was young and so that then inhibits inhibits me to set boundaries or again coming back to anger I've taken that anger um, I'm acting out that anger. So I'm not owning my anger and set healthy boundaries. But as I have, I'm unable to do that. I'm kind of acting that out all the time. 
I'm fault-finding, I'm criticizing, I'm blaming, I'm self-righteous. Right. And so the energy is overflowing but with the lack of boundaries. So it's as if those excessive thoughts of self-righteousness, criticism or fault-finding are feeding the anger, but there's constantly that lack of boundaries yeah. is, is there. Or somebody might take it inward and they're not acting out, but they're acting in their anger. I'm not okay. good enough. I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? Right. I could have done it differently. And again, it's the same mechanism that anger is never resolved or spoken out or being used constructively as boundaries, yeah. but it kind of just eats away at the sense of self. Thereby, those excessive thoughts keep feeding the anger as well and mm -hmm. looping on itself. So it's, I mean, it's very complex. And again, it's very complex, but it's also very simple because there is a certain structure to it of how those yeah. traumatic patterns work. It's just that we can get caught up in a certain identification with yeah. how we act out and what the story is around us at that very moment. I like how you said over the years when I've worked with people, it will feel very hard and complicated, even personally, or they will, or my clients will say this. However, when we actually do the work, which we could give an example right now, then it becomes, like you said, simple and easy. It's actually mm -hmm. not having boundaries and all those emotions and things you just said are very hard and complicated. That's mm -hmm. trauma. That's confusion. Yeah. And then when we, really, yeah, when we really learn to honor ourselves and be like, wait, what do I really want? Then find the tools to do that. Then it's like, wait, mm -hmm. That's, it's crazy how much easier, but getting there is where the work, mm. I was going to ask you if we want to give an example, either somebody we've seen or, or personally, mm. like what you were just talking about with women and, and your mom, do you have an example or a tool that you've used mm. to get out of that loop and, and have a healthy boundary? Because stories mm. always really help people. Right. I mean, what comes up for me is how I work with clients myself when addressing boundaries. And I deal a lot with complex trauma. People have had severe childhood abuse or prolonged childhood abuse. And so there are different layers that you have to work with. And you have to actually be very careful when you start addressing boundaries because there's very often a deeper need why they haven't set boundaries, which is to feel loved, to feel validated, to feel accepted. And that then overrides the inability, that overrides the ability to set boundaries. And so yep. they're unable to set boundaries. Right. And so once you start to work with anger and boundaries, you have to be very careful because you're bringing them in a, in a dangerous zone, as to say. Yeah. So I might start, once I know their story a little bit, I might start with some simple exercises like, okay, can you cross your arms and see if that contains a bit more of your energy field? Uh, close your eyes and see how that feels. See if it brings up stress or if it brings up relaxation. And then that kind of gives just this um, a bodily or somatic feeling of how they can relate to more boundaries. Mm -hmm. So I'd start with very simple things like that. And then slowly on, take the pressure up a bit. So once that is okay, or it actually feels contained, that, that posture of crossing your arms, closing yourself off a bit. I might amp up the pressure a bit and say, can you, can you put a hand in front of you and kind of feel how you're protecting your own space? And again, see if you can connect with that. Does fear come in? Does it take over or is it manageable? Or can you even kind of play with the distance of your hands or two hands if that's possible? Nice. 
Yeah. And so you can bit by bit work with boundaries first from a kind of somatic sensation point of view and work with that. And then again, once there's a bit more containment, you can even take that further and work with a person that has crossed your boundaries right. and say, stop, or I don't want you to come closer or fuck off or whatever it is, kind of to yeah. bring in a bit more charge. And again, see if there's a collapse or if there's a containment. Yeah. And if there's a collapse, you work on containment first. So there's, there's an integration of that too much. Yeah. And haven't you seen with either one, there that change is so powerful for people mm, with either either way if they if they collapse and have a release or they're feeling more contained either way I've noticed I do all the same work people are feeling lighter and clearer. Mm-hmm. Just well, to start I'm to- careful with the collapse though because um, yeah yeah you have to be careful not to trigger too much and you have to be able to digest. Uh, when that deeper part comes up. What I mentioned earlier, when that need to be validated and the setting boundaries, when that is in conflict with each other, uh, you have to kind of pick that up and say, okay, well, what makes it so, or inquire what makes it so hard for you to do that? And it might be that guilt comes in. If I set boundaries, this person might not accept me or love me or reject me again. Yeah. And so that's why I'm not doing that. Right, right. So then you have to kind of address those deeper parts as well. Right, you're you're bringing up another point that came to mind as you were talking to um, uncouple those issues, right? To be able to separate. Yeah, yeah. And and in the somatic experiencing Peter Levine training, um, the collapse, there always comes a rebound, which feels very nice for people. Mm. So what I've seen is when people do have collapse, it's it's like quite a bit of a release of having... Mm how they've held that so mm. then when they rebound and they come back up they're like it's it's literally like they fold and their body mm. will shake and and release and then as they come mm. back up it's like they it's like they let off i'm mm. sure yeah i mean it can go either way you want to be very careful with that uh, yeah yeah because you but, can easily push people too far yeah and then they can get stuck what i what i always repeat over and over again you want to kind of be in that middle ground of neither yeah. drowning in a particular emotion, nor yeah. going back into the dissociation. Exactly. And that's a bit the struggle of being in the, in the thick of trauma or the post-traumatic stress symptoms that you pendulate between okay. either drowning in your emotion and then once that has run its course, you get pushed out and you're back in the dissociation. Yeah, it's that, it's that middle, middle path, yeah. right in the yeah. middle. Absolutely. So let the um un, I really love how uncoupling helps people. So if if that attachment piece, like you said, it, they don't have the boundary because they want the love, mm-hmm. is starting to separate that and to see that you can still have love. I'm just trying to say it simply, mm-hmm. but you separate the bad behavior and the abuse from the love. So love, love and abuse don't go together anymore. It's like okay, mm-hmm. I want the love from this person, or I need the love and connection. Mm. however i don't have to take abuse mm. to think i need that so that's a really fun that that's deeper that that could be a whole nother conversation uh, yeah it's related though but yeah yeah that's big and and one of the, one of my favorite things to work with is when when you know personally and with clients when we can start start to see every human being as our brothers and sisters and family and not blood 
as I have to have love from blood. So I'm not, I don't know if I'm saying it simply, basically take away all family and blood and relation and just a human is a human, a behavior is a behavior. Is this acceptable for me? Does this make Mm -hmm. me better or does it not? And when we start to break things down that way, it just becomes more about, wait, that doesn't feel good in my body. No matter who it is, if it's a parent or a partner or, and I really like working with that because it just empowers people and then they can take that tool with them for the rest of their life. And then all their relationships change for the better is Mm. what I've seen and new ones can come in and Mm. respect and kindness Mm. and love grow Mm. once they realize it's okay to say no to that Mm. person or that bad behavior that's been mistreating them. They find their boundary then they feel so much lighter that it's almost like they don't want to reverse and go back to the pain of, oh, I need love from this as I'm taking abuse. Mm. So it's really fun to watch people get there that no matter what happens, my health is the most important. And, mm. uh, and it's then, definitely and- a process. I mean, it starts with a therapist that kind of pulls you out or calls you out and practices those behaviors with you or re relearning certain patterns and behaviors and then it's the challenge to take it into the real world and start to kind of build confidence or practice there and that goes with ups and downs as well because it's it's not just a straight a straight line uh, that's full with bumps and potholes and yep falling down getting out and it's so fun to remind people that because then they'll beat themselves up or put pressure and it's like no 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 this is mm. new, like go out in the world and, and try it. And if it doesn't work, it just mm. makes you stronger to, do you, do you think we've answered to what a boundary actually is from just the way we've been talking? I think on some level, I mean, we mm. can go into some examples. And yeah. I think also we have to consider that when you're in situations where you can't act, walking away is also a boundary. Big time. And I think that's very important because there are plenty of situations where you just can't act. And the act that you can do is just to remove yourself from an abusive environment. That's beautiful. Like you just saying that, my whole body lightened up. It's that, that's brilliant because actually if the, if the abuser doesn't want to hear it, there is nothing you can say. You Mm. have to walk away. Yeah. Talk about simple, right? (laughs) Mm. Yeah. 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 Whoa. <laughs> Feel that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, la- I'm laughing as a, a, a relief, you know, like, cause I never knew that in my life there. Mm. There's so many times um, I'm putting some last minute edits um, in my book. And I just read a part when I was younger in high school, I had a, an abusive actually soccer coach. And I just read a line before we got on the phone where it said, I didn't know that I could walk away. I was a teenager. Mm. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And when yeah. I think about it now, when I go back to that soccer field, I tell my body, I ask it, what do you want to do now? And I see myself getting off of that team and away from him and walking away. Mm. And the elation I feel, like the vibration and the lightness through my legs and my whole being is just, you know, so there is no time. Like the nervous mm. system can heal in that moment. Mm. And I can forgive myself and not feel like, oh, why, you know, didn't I not leave mm. and take all that? Yeah. It's like, I guess yeah, that's no. probably also where the pain lies, that 
we channel that energy because we're feeling overwhelmed. We channel that energy into self-approach. Oh, I should have done that. Why didn't I get up or do something? Yeah. And that that kind of psychological time keeps the, the emotional pain alive yeah. until you come back to that younger you and say, okay, well, that's what you could have done. That's the only option you had considering your emotional development that you couldn't act Right. in the way that you might have acted later on in life so i think when you close that gap of psychological time yeah. you're actually meeting the emotion yeah be it anger be it sadness and 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 for me i realized you know my parents didn't know they knew what was going on but they didn't have those same tools so i can forgive myself i can forgive them like we can talk about it now and it's mm. like you know they didn't they didn't know because in their life they were never taught that like now we would have said, yeah, get away, mm. get, get off. So it's just really cool to be able to, I mean, I'm jumping forward, but after you've learned the freedom of, of finding a boundary, you can even go back to past experiences. And mm. that's when I found I can forgive myself, forgive my parents, right. forgive the situation and then do it now, feel myself, see myself mm. walking away now with, like you said, with that F you attitude and it feels mm. so empowering. And mm. then it's like, it was really cool because when I did that, it's interesting how the universe brings in more information. I found out more about that soccer coach later and bad things he'd done to girls. And I was like the first victim of mm. it at 14. And so that confirmation was super healing too. Like it wasn't all in my head. He hurt other people like years later. And I, it was just, you know how like you just start getting validated. I don't know if you've ever had that. These messages mm. come and you're like, okay, I am on the right track. I am healing this and right. I am being supported now. Yeah, yeah it's okay. kind of moving through those different layers. Uh, first, it's all kind of, it's either tied up in addiction or excessive thoughts or in dissociation, being depressed. And then once you start to kind of move through those layers, bring it more to those core emotions of uncontained anger or anxiety, yeah. give expression to that by traveling back in time yeah and then there are different layers to it and each time you move through a layer more as you said more information comes to you for what happened to others but also different feelings of what you felt yourself that you didn't yeah. fully own just yet so very often below that deep-seated anger and there's a sense of sadness that you've been you've been separated from yourself there's been a fragmentation and as you come back, as you think, think through those layers, you're kind of closing that gap. And then sadness is, is giving you the depth and the connection to heal. So mm. it's kind of closing that gap of psychological time. Yeah. And it's like when you take care of yourself, I see how the whole world starts to bring in that support back because support is so necessary. Mm. You know, that's why people reach out to us or we reach out to people mm. if we need it. And feeling like I'm not alone because I was very alone then. So mm. it's like when that support comes in, it's powerful. It's like, wait, I, I'm not alone. I don't have to That's walk. It's a big one. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah definitely. Mm. Yeah, I always remind people of those three things of what makes trauma. One is how you go into it, what kind of emotion was present for you, the duration of it and intensity mm. of it. So if it's an incident, it might still be very traumatic. Uh, but if something continues for a long time, it might impact you a lot more. And then yeah. the intensity of it. 
Yeah. Yeah, so if it's a very intense, like a car accident, life-threatening experience, it stays with you. And the third thing is uh, the support or lack of support that you received after yeah. having gone through trauma. So these three things, how you went into it, duration, intensity, and the support or lack of support. Yeah. Mm. And, and as, does that include if it's, um, you know, like uh, with somebody that you cared about rather than somebody you didn't know? Does that include that? Or is that I think separate? it could be a mixed bag, really. I mean, you could yeah. have somebody who abuses you and then you have a grandmother or a grandfather who is kind of supportive, even if he or she doesn't know what happened to you. But you have a loving person in your environment. On the other hand, if you trust somebody like a family member and that family member becomes the abusive person, right. it can be a very deep wound. Yeah, um, that intensity. Yeah, when you talk about complex trauma, unfortunately, that's very often the case that yeah. it happens very close to you, that it's a family member, yeah. mom, dad, uncle, grandfather, yeah. who is the that, abuser or teacher. That intensity is, is big, yeah. Yeah, it kind of breaks your trust in life and people. Well, I think, I think the important thing to, um, I had a, somebody I've worked with who knows this stuff said, just even tell people simply, like, you know, what is a boundary? A boundary is being able to say, or I could ask you, what do you, what do you think? Like, how would you explain maybe to a six-year-old mm. what a boundary is? Right. I would say a boundary is expressing what you want or what you don't want. Yeah. Uh, Knowing it's, it's okay to say no. forms. And then from there on, you can take it into where it becomes more complex so and again it depends on the relationship you have with a person so if it's somebody uh, that works in a supermarket it's and you need something you can say what you want or don't want or how you want it uh, or if somebody's not kind of in your space you can express it but if you take it into personal relationships and family members there's so much projection and imagery we have of the other person and so yeah. much baggage and right. so expressing what you want or what you, or what you don't want becomes a lot more complicated. Yeah. And I think in personal relationships and like romantic relationships, all those things that are your past, they're going to come up. Yeah. And then your yes and your no become a lot more difficult. It's not just saying what you want or don't want, but it's like, oh, if I say that, I might get rejected. So I won't say that. And so there's a whole layer of complexity that comes in of what constitutes boundaries. Right. And then also what kind of person are you attracting that you're reenacting mm. a pattern? So I might attract somebody who's abusive because that's my normal. And so I'm recreating a pattern where I feel again, I'm stuck in a relationship that I don't want to be, but I can't get out. I can't voice myself because that other person might raise his or her voice or might become physically abusive, etc. So that's where those deeper patterns come up of, okay, what actually constitutes boundaries and how do I go about and how do I make a start now? Because it's just so overwhelming when you've attracted a situation again that reminds you of your past. Yeah. And that reenacts your past. And you're just just right in the middle again of it. So yeah, how do you start now when your world is falling down? And you feel imprisoned by your own 
either lack of boundaries or by your own projection and reenactment of your traumatic situation. Yes. Do you find it rewarding for yourself or with people you work with to, to start to see that process heal when they start to mm. take those layers apart? Yeah, in the beginning, it, it can be a bit stressful even for me because it's very delicate to start mm -hmm. to set boundaries, is to move away from, from what you're used to, from a sense of normalcy. And so you'll, you'll have to go through a breakdown first of what your values are and how to create new values. Yeah. And uh, it's going to shake up the dynamics of your relationship. It's going to shake up how you look at yourself and how you look at others. And yeah. so it's a very vulnerable and delicate period of time as you bit by bit gradually start to own more of yourself. And also as you start to speak your boundaries, it's also about accepting more love for yourself, more, more attunement towards yourself rather than rejection. I'm not good enough. Yeah. And the kind of the internal voice that we've practiced for so long. So it's a moving away from that identification as well. Yeah. And I guess what comes up with that is like, okay, who am I then if I'm not doing that anymore? Yeah. So it's a bit of an existential yeah. crisis at the same it's like, time. It's like a birth. It's like a new, a new person. Yeah, but the death comes first, you know? So. Yeah. Mm. And it feels, it's scary, but it feels so good. Um, and, and like I said, I describe this, this talk is so interesting because it's describing um, my writings. I would always write about that. Like it would, it feels so, it's so overwhelming, but then I kept going because it feels so freeing. Hmm. You, you, the programming that I started to create for myself is even if this feels scary or hard, I feel the goodness that comes right after it. So I want to hmm. keep going. And then each time I'd work on it, hmm. I'd feel better and better. And that's what I, that's the same work I do with my clients. Mm. It's like, you know, give them that love and support and show mm. them. I know, guess the that's key in that, that safety that you can provide. Either if you can give it to yourself, that sense of containment, like, okay, I can hold this much and then I have to retract, I have to stop or let it pause or digest. Mm -hmm. And, or you can get it from a safe place that you can create with somebody else uh, as you start to work yeah. with this. And so that safety is so important to not wanting to do too much. And I think that's, again, one of those conflict points that we want to get rid of it. We want to overcome it. Mm -hmm. We want to be done with it. And it's a kind of an all or nothing approach. Right. And it kind of repeats itself again because we, do too, we want to do too much at the same time. And then we get overwhelmed and then we feel a failure yep. and then we're back to start, you know. I know. I try to remind myself just a little bit at a time when I was going through that exact mm -hmm. thing just oh wait it's not supposed to be all at once like it's it's uh it's gradual just like mm -hmm. like like losing weight a healthy way to lose weight you don't lose 100 pounds in one day it's a little mm -hmm. bit and I, I think just because it is complicated but to keep it simple i like what, what we're saying or what i found to be true is when you really start to get like you're saying in tune into your your body my body would always start to signal to me when I was in it, once mm. I got out of the disassociation mm. and it's like, Oh wait, I can trust that sensation. That is unpleasant. Wait, that's pleasant. And then that really helps. I've noticed simplify mm. the work and, and decisions instead of getting all in the, in the head about stuff. It's like, mm. Oh wait, this is feeling mm. lighter. 
oh, when I'm in the room with this person, I feel like I'm better. When I'm in the mm. room with that person, I don't support mm. that. I feel heavy. Mm. And then just on a simple level, even raising a 10-year-old daughter and, you know, being out in the world, it's like, you know, and she comes home with something. It's like, well, hey, how did, how did that make you feel? No, that, and then she'll say, that didn't make me feel good. And so to start to encourage boundaries at a young age, like, well, do you know you don't have to be around that friend? Oh, yeah, just go ahead and walk away and talk to another friend. And to not engage when, because kids, uh, the the lack of boundaries and bullying starts really young. It was hmm. really eye-opening to, to watch the very stuff we're talking about start to develop. I, I really saw it in third and fourth grade. And, you know, just to reinforce those tools for parents and people and children that, hey, you know, you have, you have choices. You don't have to, because hmm. the anxiety that was coming at her from other kids and questioning and she was feeling overwhelmed and then it would come home and have this emotional release so just to be able to say hey how did that make you feel not good okay. mm. you don't have mm. to engage in that you don't have to answer those questions mm. and and then if, and then if she felt trapped you can always go get a teacher you know just just choices options yeah mm-hmm. and what yeah. comes to me now is also what people's default mechanisms are so you might have either gone into a fight response or a flight response or a pleasing response. It depends a bit on what has been your survival tool when you're young. Yeah. So I think that as you work with boundaries, those things will also come up. So a fight response might be people who are overly ambitious to get it done with or to kind of really make too much of an effort to heal and that kind of fires back on them. Yeah. So once you recognize that pattern, also, again, reflect that back of it's not about arriving somewhere. It's yeah. not about being ambitious and getting something done because it's self-defeating in a sense. Mm-hmm. Well, a pleasing type of person might actually be too focused on the therapist and trying to please the therapist and see if she likes me. And so uh-huh. I'll do whatever he or she says, which is also self-defeating in a sense because it's not anymore about I'm doing those I'm setting those boundaries for me. It's then about I'm setting those boundaries so he or she will like me and then I can feel good about myself. So that mm-hmm. deeper pattern might come through again. Mm-hmm. And then the flight person is that he or she doesn't want to start with setting boundaries. <laughs> it's like, okay, give me something else to work with. Yep, definitely. You know, I noticed as I started to do it, also something that came up. Uh, so when I, when I learned to start to set boundaries, even with people that I love, I would feel a lightness. I felt mm. better. And then I also would have to heal the grief mm. uh, because if that person doesn't change and respect those boundaries, well, then you grow apart mm. or your relation shows up in a not as connected mm. way. So that can feel like a loss, but then to remind. So after I, what I learned is after I let myself feel that grief and then it reprogrammed to, well, that connection wasn't healthy anyways it was a form of love I was getting, but I, I now have choices to have a healthier form of love where I'm respected and treated in a way that I want. And that's so, oh, that's so powerful to see people go through, to know that they can let go of a form of love and attachment because they love and honor themselves now and then find mm. a new way of mm. connection. So just on a positive note. Yeah. 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 They, oh, that's good that you said that. It's almost like you, you bring home that feeling of, valuing oneself and therefore you also kind of 
it's almost like you demanded of others to have a some yeah. respect for you and it works the other way around as well like when i'm not self-respecting then other people pick that up as well and they're not having respect for you yeah and so it's good to understand those dynamics because often especially when you default to a pleasing response you think that, oh i should do that because the other wants to and and therefore you create peace but actually you create conflict because you lose value in the eyes of somebody else by not respecting yourself yeah it's a bit totally. of a contraindication but yeah it's a big it's big mm. yeah and to and to be gentle with yourself when you do start to take that choice that's what i learned i it took me a while the grief pattern was was pretty big because again the intensity of, of the people i started to set boundaries with were a lot of love and over many years and they didn't like it when i did that some of these mm. friendships you know they didn't and i had to remind myself if they're not working with me rationally like oh that's how you feel or like let's work this out mm. it was just more hey i i i said what i needed or i set a boundary and the reaction from them was just angry or more mm. blame on me then i had to let that go yeah. you know, I, th I think that's a really good sign to know like if somebody respects you you can like in my marriage i love and my daughter the three of us i love how we can all say our truth even if we agree or don't and there's still respect and compromise and love mm. and it, we can get back to that flow quickly and I think something that's really healthy for people to know is when they do start to find those boundaries and honor themselves, if the other person, you can't have like a rational conversation, even if you, I said this to one of my clients lately, she loved it, like that agree to disagree. So then, then the anger and attacking and blame, none of that's there. It's like, okay, you feel that way. I feel that way. And mm. that's okay. It was so eye-opening for her because she came from a family where it was all blame and attacking the other person mm. so to know you can have relationships where you respect each other's differences was huge for her and i think the biggest lesson i learned when i started this is if those friends and those relationships just want to attack me back i have to learn to let those go because there's nowhere to go like i'm saying hey this is what works for me i'm not doing this anymore and then i'm now i'm being attacked and, and then it's so funny because you want it, the, the ego might want to get into right or wrong. And even if the, everybody has a role, right? Like there's the abuser and there's the person that takes it. So even if I felt like, well, I didn't do anything wrong, somebody was wrong to me. No, I still had to own, well, no, I allowed it. I didn't speak up sooner. You know what I mean? Like I have mm. to still own my part. And, and that felt really good too, to be able to say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't communicate earlier. I was scared of losing you. So mm. then I, there at times I've just lashed out and been too harsh. So to go back to those people and say, hey, I'm sorry if I was harsh. You know, I didn't know how to say a boundary nicely because I was, you know, angry or scared or, and, and, the, and then with the healing, I noticed, if, like I said, if somebody can't respond and be like, well, thank you for that. And, you know, I'm sorry about that then what I've seen is there's really nowhere to go. And then that's okay to grieve and let that mm. person go. And that's where people stay in the trauma pattern is they don't want to. And I did this too. They don't want to let that love, like you said, that complexity mm. go. But What's the known? I think it's the dilemma is the known, even if yeah. it's abusive, if it's painful, if it's somewhere suffering, the it's known has a certain safety to it. And yep. then once you start to address those pain bonds, 
and speak out your boundaries, people might fall away or you have to change relationships. You have to kind of change jobs or where you live. So it's a very hard process to, to move through because you're moving into the unknown and then uh, you're also dealing or you're moving through your emotional baggage of the past at the same time. So, yeah. so it's a, it can be a very shaky and upsetting period. It'll get easier though once you've gone through it a few times, then you start yeah. to trust yourself more. Exactly. And it's easy to go through it. But once you the moment you're only starting that process, it's very hard. Like it's like a feel, tornado. Yeah, and you feel you're all alone, nobody understands you and Yep. The so. the first psychologist I ever met with before I even knew what a boundary was. He explained it, uh, I like this word, I like how you said it, the unknown. And he also said it's what you're, comfor what a, you're comfortable with. And that really confused me because it's like, well, how can abuse and a lack of boundaries be comfortable? Well, as I learned, it's like, oh, it is what you know. Com comfort is what you're just used to. It doesn't mean that it's pleasant. It means comfortable as in this is all I know. And mm -hmm. so to change that to the unknown is... I have a smile because it's exciting. At first it feels like, oh, but it's like, no, you, I want that. I don't want to stay with this uncomfortable, unhealthy, mm. you know, so. Yeah, those are different stages. In the beginning, there's no excitement. It's just plain suffering. <laughs> totally. Yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> I like your smile. That's good. You're like plain suffering. Well, I hope, I hope this talk helps and explains, you know. Mm. People. You see how quickly it relates to so many other aspects. So it's always getting an entry from somewhere. Now, today we've taken boundaries, but it touches all those other things of the psyche, the fight, flight, and please responses. Also boundaries, how it relates to vulnerability or hurt vulnerability. Mm. And the deeper patterns of not being loved or validated, accepted. And I think it's important to always keep that in mind that when you talk about the psyche, either complex trauma or any kind of person, really, all those things are interrelated and you have to consider all those things. You can't just say, oh, you have anxiety disorder and that's it, or you have depression and that's it. Like there's always more to it. And I think that when you Absolutely. can put those things together eh, for people, what I've seen and heard from the people that follow me or that work with me, it's such a relief that you're not crazy yeah. Uh, you're yeah there is kind of a system to it of how your mind reacts and acts out of survival and the more you can see through it the more it can even if it's just cognitively it takes away the shame and the self-reproach and the blame and the embarrassment yeah. and it kind of primes the mind to start working on the emotional parts yeah and it's even as you're talking i can just see the people that we both have worked with just even talking to somebody else about these topics already the healing's happening because it's like wait i'm mm. not alone somebody else gets yeah. my pain and suffering i was They've thinking been... more of the opposite how how the regular healthcare system re-traumatizes <laughs> big time by by that kind of fragmented approach yeah of chopping it up in pieces and then finding finding a pill or finding yeah. a quick fix which actually just makes things worse it's probably also a process where you have to move through and see that okay that's not really doing it for me right but it's painful to hear sometimes but don't you find that those are the people that i've attracted as clients mm. 
you know, and then they've when gone they find, through that. Yeah. yeah. And then they find people like us. It's like this new family and that's mm. where the healing starts happening. Like, Oh wait, I'm not alone. There's other people that get it. Mm. In fact, this is the work they do. And, mm. you know, and then I'll normalize it for them or validate them. Like, yeah, a lot of people go through this. This is right. normal. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Again, it's part of owning more of your, your identity. So there's them. Kind of the identification with what is normal, the system, having take step A, then B, then C, yeah. until you realize that, okay, maybe I should start to think for myself rather than think of what other people might want for me yeah. or how it's supposed to be done, which yeah. again is kind of one step in setting a boundary for yourself. No, I find this important. Or, uh, I Even if there's a consensus of belief, uh, which science has become nowadays, a, a belief of consensus uh, that it's more about okay how does it feel for me how does it resonate for me does it have truth for me do i want to follow this or not right mm -hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> good all right yep. good. <laughs> let's see if we can finish this up here yeah